Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Measure of an Episode. As you know, where our mission... <laughs> Damn it. Where our continuing mission is to explore what makes a Star Trek episode a proper Star Trek episode and not just good or bad or season one television. My name is Paul. I'm Jonathan. And we do this through three criteria. The first one is... Is there something science fiction integral to the plot that's woven in, woven through, like a tapestry? Or is there not or? And is there a moral or ethical dilemma that is presented in the episode? And there are three criteria. Nailed all three of them. This week, we watched The Next Generation, season one, episode 25, the the last episode of the season. Yeah, the season finale. Realize. The Neutral Zone. And I, I'm guessing that this is the first time we've heard this concept of the neutral zone. I, I think it is. Um, mm. They, they, I think they, they introduced a lot of new ideas, like the Romulans. I, this must be the first Romulan uh, that we've seen on on the TV. <laughs> was that what we were struggling for? <laughs> Two well, letters. I found the word. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, in Next Generation, it's the first time we've seen the Romulans. Yeah. So it's interesting. Okay, let me read the blurb. Waiting for Captain Picard's return from a Federation conference, the Enterprise crew discovers a disabled 20th century Earth satellite. And, okay, so I think the theme of this episode, our That's episode, the whole blurb? That's the whole blurb. Okay, so the DS9 stepped in for that I'm one. Still read, I'm, still, I'm still reading the blurb, so we just get through the blurb. <laughs> no, the theme uh, of this episode of the measure, this measure, this, the measure of the episode, comma, the, is that I'm, I've discovered that I'm a monster. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. And we'll, we will get through that. This, this oh, by the way, this is definitely a, a Star Trek, a proper Star Trek episode. Right. In my opinion. Yep. I would agree. Um, yeah. And it was, it was interesting going into it, not knowing uh, that it was the last episode of the season. Um, Cause boy, did it feel like it at the end. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm sure they had this discussion in the writer's room. It was like, this is the last episode. We should acknowledge this is the last episode. Yeah. Maybe we should have a monologue acknowledging this is the last episode and that we have more to do practically begging Paramount to give us another season. Yeah, that, that probably would have happened in the writer's room if there hadn't been a strike going on. Oh. Yeah. The, like, everybody everybody as a whole is pretty disappointed with this episode. They, they didn't think that the, the idea was bad and that the execution was necessarily terrible, but they felt like the episode needed one or two more run-throughs and revisions, which it just didn't get. Yeah. Well, it, it, I feel like it needed it. Because this is, <laughs> well, it needed some. It, it needed some fine tuning, right? Yeah, yeah. Because what a what a cool idea! This idea that people who I guess this is right smack dab in the middle when cryogenics had had entered into, uh, I guess the the zeitgeist. Right. This is what the late 80s. and the writers clearly thought it was stupid, and they were like, "This isn't going to last." <laughs> yeah. They weren't. Yeah, they're essentially making fun of these people. Right. Uh, who who were uh, participating with this new technology? Which Maybe is they were around. just jealous, and they wanted to like get back at them. Yeah, this sounds like they were jealous. This definitely sounds like they were envious of cryogenic people because they <laughs> they were they were presented in such a a respectful way. <laughs> but it was they they the concept of okay they, these are basically time travelers. Yeah, and these people who are vestiges of a of a of a time and place that that you could not re- you could just interview somebody like that that's the number one thing we wish we could do as historians right right i'm speaking like i'm a historian <laughs> as a phd <laughs> in history 
That's the one thing I wish that we could do is that we could go back and actually interview people who were on the ground and the time, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's the, that's where you get the best information, especially anthropologically. Right. But nobody seems to care about these time travelers who have just shown up on their doorstep at <laughs> any point. So data is the only one that seems to – the non-human, by the way, is the right. only one who seems to express any curiosity about these time travelers who have just shown up. Yes. Right? To be fair, though, they did kind of show up at the worst possible time. But we don't know it's the worst possible time until Picard gets back. And yes, Riker could not give two shits about about these. Oh, we found some people who appear <laughs> to be frozen and they're alive. And we just found them in the middle of space. Do That's pretty cool, right? Board? And then Riker's response is, do whatever you got to do. Just do it fast. We got to get going. Right. Like. I was like, what? Like, is it, what's going on here? Like, I thought, I thought that, okay, so the only, the only explanation as to why nobody cares is that this happens all the time. That there was this <laughs> boom in cryogenics, that they're just encountering these, these <laughs> satellites in the middle of space of just dead frozen people, right? And that's why Riker doesn't care because it's just another one. He's like, yeah, they just had this last week, right? Yeah. And they they had to do this again. Well, no, it's just it's been in reports of different uh, different starships. And so he sees it, you know, and they're like, should we go investigate? He's like, no, 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 no. But just let's just leave it like I'm (laughs) not I'm not taking that on board. (laughs) The lock phasers. Fire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, problem solved. (laughs) But. Wouldn't this be like the most, especially for Picard? Now, I understand that Picard has got bigger fish to fry in this moment, right? Right. It's sort of a a, a pressing scenario. But he is a goddamn archaeologist. He loves old stuff. Right. And finding out about old people. He even they, they never miss an opportunity to say like, well, I got to visit the ruins of whatever in this planet. It was wonderful. And I just got back with my fedora. And it's like, oh, but you don't seem to care about these people from your own planet. Right. But you could like I feel like the real Picard, the not the one in this episode, but the actual <laughs> Picard would would put place aside the Romulan thing just for a second. Just for an hour, right? Just for an hour. Like and they had like nineteen hours, by the way, mm-hmm. to to go from one one station to the next station. So he does but he does he never cares. It'd be like finding a pirate ship from the sixteen hundreds for us, and not only do we find a completely intact pirate ship, but there's still a pirate on it. Right. Like <laughs> He's still there, and we can talk to him and ask him about what, how much fun it was to be a pirate in the 1600s. Well, right, so kind of. like It would be like finding a pirate ship in the middle of where you were about to set up a surveillance post of like ISIS or something. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, but at the same time, it's not like they found the satellite, the satellite with the frozen people during a Romulan attack. Right. Right? They there there's a very long time expansion in this in this episode where hours and hours and hours go by. Right. And, right. And no, but and Picard, I, Picard, I, I, he's a functional human, right? He can compartmentalize things because he's a he's a he's a pretty smart guy. So I could imagine that he would be able to at least in some be like show a spark of curiosity, even though he's got bigger fish to fry. But he could not be bothered more by these people. Right. Just the idea of them. Keep them out of my way, number one. I can't yeah. be bothered with these these time travelers who have just shown up that could answer many questions for us that we might have about 300 years ago. Right? Well, yeah. And I mean, he he is also an, an archaeologist. 
but this is also first season Captain Picard, who still like doesn't like kids, and he's thinking about how he is the captain of the flagship and not 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 a human yet. Um, so you know, I'm I'm willing to concede that part of like the irritation that this, all this happened. But having said that, like yes, I completely agree that he he had enough time where once they had set this up, he was like, all right, you know, now let's go unearth some fossils. Right. I, I don't know. This is why I think I'm a monster. Because clearly, I guess the the fate of the Federation possibly is at stake because the Romulans are back, you know, uh-huh. and I don't seem to care about that. I want to know more about these time travelers. <laughs> like I'd be a terrible captain in this moment. That's why I think I'm a monster, because I don't care about billions of other people. I just care about these three people who have time traveled from the past. Well, I mean, if that's all you care about, then yes, you're a monster. But I think you're almost a better captain than Picard at this point because you are compartmentalizing. You're like. Yes, this is a big issue and we need to address it. However, we have time and there are these people here who we have this not even once in a lifetime, a, a unique opportunity to explore the past in a way that cannot be done. Oh, yeah. Remember our mission to seek out new life? Uh, this is part of that. This would definitely fall under that, like life from the past. That's that, new life. That, That's like, right. Is it? I guess it's I, an old life, but it's a new right. perspective on it. <laughs> right. But it's not new perspective on old life, Paul. That's not what their goal is. Their goal is to seek out new life, <laughs> new life. and new civilization. This is not a new civilization. I guess it's old, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm, surprised they, I'm surprised they just didn't throw them out the airlock immediately. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like they should have done it with Scotty, too. <laughs> they just phaser him immediately. Up, <laughs> oh, you're over 60. This <laughs> right. is new. But having said all that, like it would have been also a very cool approach if they did take that time to ask them what life was like on the 21st, uh, you know, in the 21st century uh, or the end of the 20th century. Um, and they had a successful, you know, at least multimillionaire businessman. They had a struggling musician and they had a housewife. Like it would have been so cool to hear their three different perspectives on the world at large at the time where they were. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is the problem with this kind of thing is that the concept is really cool. Oh, you have these people who were frozen in time and now they're here and they didn't even really know. And now they have to adapt. Right. Right. But but what do you do with that after the first act? Like it would be hard to integrate them into a Star Trek kind of thing without it just being give all three of them giving the when I was a boy speech. Right. Which is my favorite speech in television <laughs> movies. Yes. Um, well, kind of. I, I feel like, you know, so it would be it would be the B plot like the the A plot absolutely would be more investigation into the Romulan stuff. Um, you know, they, it, it wouldn't have been just the, the little back, back, background conflict, I guess, yeah. uh, which quick side note there, when they got to the observe, what, what was it? Just the outpost, I guess. Space stations of some kind. Well, yeah. So when, when they talked about that, I, I assumed that it was like the other outposts, like deep space nine and that kind of thing where it was in space. And so when Worf said, there's no sign of them on the planet, I was very confused by that statement uh, you know like you, you do realize you're looking at space right like are you, why are you saying there no nothing on the planet but anyway if they if they had expanded the conflict with the romulans more and made the the time travelers um the b plot i feel like they could have put one person in each act so it wasn't just 
you know, everything happens in the first act and we hear it. And then what do we do with them for the rest of the, the second, and third act? Like we, we could have that time with Deanna just sitting with them, hearing what life was like, uh, which obviously would just be for the audience. Um, but they would be kind of collecting that information as well to like realize there's a colorful tapestry in history that they were not aware yeah. of. But it would have um, been again, it would, be, would have been one of these things that also that I love that happens all the time in the show where they would be describing a society that we already live in and know everything about ah, to, true. to, to, to somebody who is like, so tell me what is this pizza that you talk about? Right. Tell me about pizza. TV? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We have this, we, we, we had to suffer through that a couple of times with this. And I just didn't, I don't know. Like, I mean, <laughs> it just didn't feel very well flushed out. It felt like they were like, we want to concentrate on this B plot. Let's put all our resources in the B plot of these you know, of the frozen survivors and this whole interesting Romulan thing. Let's table that. Let's focus on coming up with quips from the failed guitarist country guitarist. Well, okay. So you wanted them to focus on the, the historical side of things, but you didn't want to see them talking about the historical side of things. Here's my idea. I got a whole idea. Okay. You have them wake up one at a time. And you do that by like, look, we had, you know, some of them were farther gone than the others. We have to do some surgery. And so you have them gain consciousness incrementally. So maybe the first one is the lady and she knows very little, but you're like, something's off about her. What's going on with her? Like she's hiding something. And Troy's like, yeah, you're right. She's hiding something. You're like, thank you, Troy. Your value on the ship is, <laughs> is fantastic. So you have that happen. And then the next guy wakes up and he is, he asks very strange questions, almost as if, you're, you're saying, so where is this person or where is this thing happening, right? Like there was some sort of intrigue. And then the third person wakes up and it gives you more information. So there's, there's an intrigue going on that may or may not be germane to their situation, okay. right? Um, whether or not you think that they are plants, that they're actually contemporary humans that have been made to look like they're very old or, or they are from that time period. But for some reason, uh, they, they have information that is relevant to the future. And okay. over the, the present in that moment. So, but there's the mystery, right? They're, they're hiding something that even when realizing they're 300 years in the future, they have not abandoned, right? Because once it, they even set forth in this particular episode with these people, that they say, once they all realize, and they all absorb that everything they know is gone. Their way of life has totally been eradicated. That, that, that kind of sinks into them and they're like, oh, I, I realize now that I mean nothing. And so that does not happen for them, even even after they realize that they're 300 years in the future. And so you're like, oh, what's going on here? Right. Like so there's something there's something afoot that they really want to get back to Earth for some reason. And they, so you're like, oh, they've hidden something on the moon and it's a giant bomb. And they, they think this is all, you know, they, give them something to do other than just be be um, one dimensional people. Right. That that would have been better. Of course, you couldn't have done the, the Romulan thing. Or maybe you could have, just not in the way that they were doing it. Um, but give them some sort of intrigue that, that they can explore. The, the Enterprise has to solve and not just be bothered by the entire episode. Right. right? Yeah. But, okay, so to – sorry, to, to what end? Like About 44 minutes. <laughs> 45, 44, five minutes, I don't know. To the resolution. <laughs> I don't know. Keep it open-ended. Apparently you can just make claims at the end of episodes and never bring them back like they did in this episode with the Romulans and whatever, whatever. Well, they did with first destroyed. contact too. Like she was yeah. never seen again. Um, <laughs> and the one where they're being kidnapped and brought into other dimensions and experimented on. We're not there yet. Comes back. I know, but it, it happens. Like it's another example, right? Of yeah. 
of them seeding something that never grows. Not, well, and, not only does it not grow, they stomp on it and put salt in the earth. And conspiracy, where they were sending out a, a homing beacon. <laughs> yeah. Right. Does this ever come back? This whole storyline is like, hey, there's something out there. It's not the Romulans. It's not us. What is it? We ever, do we ever find out? I don't think we do. The idea was that it was going to be the Borg, and there was going to be a Federation-Romulan alliance against the Borg. That was the idea. Oh, cool. Well, why didn't we get that? <laughs> uh, probably because the writer's strike ended, and they came back, and they were like, yeah, we didn't flesh that out enough, so we're just going to drop it. <laughs> Great decision. Yeah. Excellent That's the thing. Like it, it almost seems like they were trying to do some DS9 ideas as two in TNG that just, it was either too early or they decided that it wasn't a good idea or something. But, you know, like this episode plus the conspiracy episode, which was supposed to be the, um, the worms were going to be the Borg, um, the origins of the Borg um, and something else too. But just kind of having these, these seeds of a larger threat and, um, and corruption within the Federation that just, they were introduced, but never, never anything, nothing ever came of it. You're right. That always feels like they want to have this, this sort of background noise of there's corruption in the Federation. There's something going on that's bad. Like there's, there's some bad apples in the Federation and that kind of percolates a little bit throughout the course of next gen, but never really comes to anything. Like right. there's always sort of the, the admirals that are, that they, kind of present as being bad or or bad intentions of some kind and it it never quite culminates to anything it just is just there and maybe that's them saying well that's like our government that's how we are <laughs> like this never goes away here either but it never gets anywhere i don't know I've, I've, i don't have a sense i mean i guess maybe in 13 years when we're finished then we'll we'll have a better sense of that i don't know if if it was kind of what you were just saying, where it's like, well, yeah, that's how our government is. and There's no resolution. Or if the idea was going to be resolution, but they, you know, they just pulled a different thread instead and they just let those things drop, um, which, yeah. you know, to to go on a slight tangent, like it, it's kind of like the revival of the X-Files and well, and the revival of Picard. Like they there were so many hanging threads, like there were so many cliffhangers where they they presented this looming threat and they never went back to it. And Picard and the X-Files revival, like it was a perfect opportunity to, to address those things, you know, even just with like side side dialogue, it doesn't have to be a whole episode devoted to it, but just something that gave the, those episodes, the closure that they needed. <laughs> yeah. Tie them up in some way. I don't, I don't need a lot. Just right. give me something. They could have yeah. been an episode instead of a bottle episode where they do a clip show with Riker, have a bottle episode where they tie up all the loose ends of the season. Right. That would have been great. That would have been very easy to do too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that is the clip episode. It's the season, season two finale. Two. Yeah. Season two. Oh yeah. I actually, which was surprising. Like I, I just read that and it was surprising to me because I could have sworn that Dr. Crusher was the one who was helping him, but I could have too. And it's yeah. not. No. Yeah. So there's a funny moment in this episode <laughs> that I actually laughed at. And the country western star says, "Do you think anybody here has got a guitar I can borrow?" And immediately, Data's like, <laughs> and, I, "And I didn't know if the no was no, nobody on board of the thousand people who live on the ship, nobody has a guitar. That obviously is not the case, because <laughs> obviously there's a guitar on board." No, he replicated um, it. He said that. No, my point being is that the no was no. There's nobody who would lend you their guitar. 
right because of because of you because they're afraid of getting you know whatever yeah. you have <laughs> right <laughs> old yeah <laughs> yeah like that i feel like that was it was really funny to me because it was such a pregnant no right it was a a hard no and it right. was an immediate no <laughs> no yeah <laughs> yeah it makes me laugh now i'm hopefully <laughs> hopefully i have the wherewithal paul i'm talking to you future paul who's editing this episode go get the clip you think anybody here has got a guitar i could borrow no obviously with there being a thousand people one of them is going to have a guitar you could go out you could go to a movie theater where there's a thousand people i don't know why your movie theater has a thousand seats <laughs> but let's pretend that it did one of them is going to have a guitar right who who owns a guitar at their house it's got to happen right yeah am i concentrating too much on this no <laughs> well i'm you have a holodeck you know and well no i I'm, I'm just prove i'm just trying to prove that that data's no is not oh, no, there I isn't, I, okay. no there isn't a guitar on board right now um but yes there are many guitars on board none of the people who own them are willing to give them to you <laughs> right i gotcha. happen to know this right right <laughs> i i would imagine it's definitely the second one <laughs> which further lends to this is this is an alternate enterprise right because also out of the thousand people that live on the enterprise there wouldn't be one curious person to, that who had a guitar maybe that's the two things that really narrow this down you have to have a guitar and also be curious about these time travels travelers that have just shown up on the ship be like okay you can borrow my guitar uh but i would like to ask you some questions because you're the most interesting thing that has happened on this ship well maybe not the most interesting thing but it's pretty interesting right oh i think like the six people on the bridge are the only people that know about the, the oh, really because they're walking around i i maybe i don't know i i don't i guess that's a very interesting question what do they keep what does the command crew keep from the rest of the of the crew well i think that they share with them the pertinent information you know like red alert but the the daily stuff of you know, we picked up some human sickles like doesn't really doesn't really warrant letting the crew of you know several hundred know because <laughs> why not that seems like one of the biggest discoveries ever right yeah but i'm the you know the the general like holodeck maintenance guy is does not need to know that they have these historical people on on well, they're not even historical people. Like they're they they are in the literal sense, but they're not like you know Copernicus or anything. Right, but look, I mean, yes, it'd be nice to talk to Copernicus, but anybody who is three hundred who is who's time traveled from the past three hundred years is a historical figure. Yes, they can right. provide they can provide way more information than any historian could right. about the time. Well, yeah, yes, I don't know. know. I uh, I mean, I feel like the holodeck maintenance guy has a guitar lesson, and so he can't can't. <laughs> You know. But like, okay, so think about that. Let's say, let's say twenty percent of the people wanted to see them, and how many? Like, it's either four hundred or seven hundred. I forget how many, but that's at least I it was a thousand people. That was a thousand people. Okay, so let's say it's a thousand people. That's two hundred people who want to go talk to these these people from the past because they, you know, they they're just fascinated. So even if you split it up, that's sixty six people per person, and. Like I think that it was it was a judgment call on the superior officers to say like we're we're not going to open the floodgates like that. Uh, yeah, man, it's possible. I, I mean, clearly nobody cares about time travelers in this. You know, there there's we we even the command people who are career federation people who got into this to seek out new things and interesting things. Uh, right, established is not new, and they never say interesting. <laughs> they don't say to seek out interesting life and interesting civilizations. Because they also seek out boring ones. 
seek out new life, a new civilization, no matter how boring. <laughs> and it and has to be new. Mundane. But it has to be new. And they cut this up, by the way, from the from the final narration <laughs> at the beginning. For way time. back when Shatner did it. <laughs> yeah. Ron Berry is very clear about that. Yeah. But uh, a lot of lecturing I got. Uh, another lecturous episode in a way about so they were they were painting these survivors as sort of like for example the financier guy right right like he, they made him so one-dimensional that it was i mean i mean even i don't know i feel like i, I feel like even the most douchey of douchiest financier guys who the, this person is embodying would be smart enough to know hey man your money is gone right like you saw vanilla sky right like this this you, you when you try when this happens <laughs> This happens from time to time and it, it's never good. Um, well, and it was so weird that it like it was never presented. You know, he was he was so concerned about his money, so concerned about his money. And then at the end, he's like to learn that all of it is gone. Like, when did you learn that? I got the impression that it was sort of a slow. He slowly came to terms with it and he finally kind of came around to it, I guess. Oh, but, I didn't get that. I, I took it as an off screen conversation. <laughs> I mean, I, I, they don't they don't. I mean, they, he was a one. This is what happens with one-dimensional characters, right? They right. have no arc. They're just right. they are one way in one scene and another way in the next scene because it's narratively convenient. Yeah, and and they just have him show, at the end of the you know then the the confrontation. They have him show up on the bridge and they don't immediately phaser him and <laughs> get him off the bridge. They let him stay there because he's because he's demanding an answer. And it, it, this whole this whole episode just felt so infeasible or what's the word I'm looking for? Unbelievable. What's the word? What's the fancy word for unbelievable where it, it implausible in, in the star Trek universe that he wouldn't just immediately be taken off the bridge and thrown into the brig. Right? Well, and they, they even said to, you know, they said, get him off this, off my bridge. Yeah. And like, he struggled for a second. They're like, well, we tried, sir. <laughs> I'm just picturing that, like holding him for a minute and he just wiggles his arms. They're like, eh, whatever. Like we tried, <laughs> we did our job. Smoke break. Anyway, oh, so when he's going up to the bridge, that's what I was going to talk about. So the the turbo lift. There was one person who came out, and he like it's a single corridor, or not even a corridor. It's a single, not even a room. I don't, I don't know what you'd call it. A single chamber, I guess. And cold de sac. He well, he assumes that it's an elevator. Like he goes in, and there's no panels or anything. And so like instead of going, oh, this must be a closet. Like he. <laughs> figures out that it's an elevator and that's what i'm saying like if two people came out of there he absolutely would have been like oh i probably shouldn't go in there probably needs to be cleaned first <laughs> well, i like the idea that this is where they make people <laughs> the future is amazing <laughs> this is how they they make them in this pod here oh, take the episode in a completely different spin where he believes that it's just like it's an alien race that found them instead and they're just trying to make themselves look human. Actually, I was thinking that it would be a very interesting episode to see it from the perspective of the survivors. Yeah. It would obviously it couldn't be a Star Trek episode where you know who they're encountering, the people in the future. But that would be an interesting science fiction No, it it that would absolutely like, kind of like first contact where it was all from the alien perspective. How cool yeah. would it have been to have an intro with just like introducing these three people, you know, and like we see them all at their time of death. And then they they all wake up on the Enterprise, and then we're yeah. th then we're with them. That that would have been a much cooler episode. Like the, it would have given all three of them depth, hopefully. And we don't have just the three one note characters. Um, right. And we are 
we are fed information as it's given to them. And, you know, some some of it would have to be like stuff we already know, like they're in the 24th century. This is the Enterprise, the Starship, blah, blah, blah. But to to learn the stuff about like the Romulans, you know, like they, they don't need to know, but kind of, you know, kind of what happened with Picard, where he's like, you know, we're we're in a crisis situation, you know, and maybe for like the at least the first act, if not like if not the first half and with like amazing writing through the whole episode, but stay with just them and then we can go to the crew of the Enterprise. Dude, you got I you you inspired me. I got it. The satellite is captured by the Romulans, and you you see because we know nothing about the Romulans. You they are uh, they are rehabilitated by the Romulans and used as they can see they are human and they are used as leverage to negotiate or to get something from the Federation. And you know by the by the middle of the episode we kind of jump back and forth between the two. Or no, you, you stay with the survivors the whole time. And maybe the last scene of the whole episode is on the Enterprise. But we are slowly introduced that, like, on this strange ship, right, that they wake up on. And they're just people from the, you know, 1989. And we slowly get to learn about the Romulans through these people. That would have been better. If we don't want it to be the thing where, where we have to explain to these people from the 1989 what Star Trek is, when we already know what Star Trek is, and that's what the episode is about. Have it be the that, but the Romulans, right? Yeah. Well, and and to get us over to the Enterprise, they could even uh, put like have one of the the survivors be transferred over. Right. Yeah. No, that's actually good. Like it's sort of a a piecemeal hostage situation where they yeah. kind of give one. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're being rescued. You know, we see Riker in in more makeup, alien makeup. Which- right. Well, yeah, I mean, and then, yeah, absolutely. So we'd be with the the Romulans totally confused by what's going on um, and not knowing anything until like one of the one of the crew that we recognize in Romulan in in Romulan makeup prosthetics, something. Um, Yeah, just shows up. They could have come up with something to get rid of that that cliffhanger. It was a cliffhanger, really. I mean, it wasn't a best of both worlds cliffhanger, but it was a cliffhanger nonetheless, because they kind of they capped it with a. Let's carry forth into space. <laughs> like they didn't need that part. They just should have said when the Romulans say we're back and we're staying and this is, you know, we're, we're here to stay fade to black. Right. Uh-huh. Um, that should have been the end of the episode, but I guess they felt they needed to beg Paramount for another season. Did, were they, do you know if they were re-upped at this point? I don't, I don't know. I didn't see anything. What a shame. What a shame that would have been if, if somebody, if they said, no, it just didn't get the numbers we wanted. We're, we're canning it. Can you imagine the shame knowing, knowing what the outcome was? Right. <laughs> that would have been incredible. Like, I mean, knowing, knowing what it became like, yes, that would have been very sad. Oh God. It's like firefly. It's like, we know both sides of, of, we know the disappointment and the elation of it not being canceled and also being canceled. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, imagine then the, season seven of Firefly. <laughs> I don't know. First of all, Afghanistan is uh, a utopia. If Firefly had made it to season season seven, there's oh, no there's peace the, in the Middle East. Right. No more war. Yeah. 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 Well, because everybody's talking about how great the show is. <laughs> it's just one giant Firefly convention. It's like Comic Con, but just Firefly. Firecon. Firecon. Now that just sounds like a crappy missile <laughs> right. company, right? Or, By the way, you definitely don't want to be buying your missiles from the crappy missile company. <laughs> Very ill-advised. You definitely don't want missiles from Firecon. Are you speaking from personal experience? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it, but... <laughs> Not yeah. making that mistake again. <laughs> yeah. Lesson learned. I feel like we would be on maybe like the 
third series of Star Trek, maybe at this point. What do you um, mean? Well, because like if if TNG got canceled after one season, so the original Star Trek lasted three seasons and it was kind of faltered and then the, the movies and it was a huge success and they decided to bring back the tv series this was the second or third attempt because there was also the star trek phase two i think is what it was called and then there was i th- i think there was another show optioned as well and tng was the one that actually got greenlit and so after one season you know paramount would basically be like okay you know the the original series was just kind of lightning in a bottle. Um, it's not really going to happen again. And then something would happen where they they were going through archives of IPs, you know, and they were like, well, let's try the Star Trek thing again. You know, so I want to agree with you, but I also want to say this seems like because of the amount of resources they put into TNG, that this would be the swan song if they didn't pick it up. Right. This would be like, well, we tried several times. Can't make it stick. It's done. So I, I could see that happening as well, where this was just the last iteration and Yes, it was good. It gains a cult following. Maybe they get a movie, you know, two or three years later. Right. And and it does great in DVD sales. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, I'm describing Firefly. I know. I know <laughs> you are. exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, but I think also, like, if there was any sci-fi shows that were successful that weren't owned by Paramount, they would brush off the dust and... Um, and try to try to bring it back in some way to capitalize on the the sci-fi following and fandom again. Well, I'm glad that we got this one. You know, I'm glad that they I, I would love to know um, if at this point were they popular enough where they felt very confident about the series or was there was it sort of a tenuous situation with, uh, well, we're going to try one more season. And, you know, right. If, if it doesn't if it doesn't work. We're, we're canning it. So I'd be I'd be curious to know because I know by season three they were getting like it was a huge show season yeah three, season four or something like that right yeah well yeah because season season three uh was where people were season two was kind of like where people were saying you got to give the show a chance blah 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 and then season three because it was now getting gaining traction and getting gaining success they they started to do callbacks to previous episodes which is why like season three is considered one of the best i think because like you know people are like start with season three because it's the best but it it almost every episode has a callback to season one and season two that even if you don't like season one and season two, you have to watch them so you can appreciate season three so much more. Totally agree. I, I know we've kind of been like talking about how this episode just needed another once over, but I, I liked the bits with Picard, like recognizing him as being the first season captain where he wasn't personable and he, you know, and he didn't like kids and he was just the, the captain of the flagship, that kind of thing. Um, where he, you know, like he's talking with Data <laughs> and he's like, I, I, you know, I, it seemed like the most prudent idea at the time. And he's like, right, I, I understand. But they were they were dead. What you know, what more could be done to them? <laughs> <laughs> but they're alive. You resurrected dead people. Right. Well, that's well, that's what he was saying. Like, you know, he's like, well, now that they're alive, we need to be treating them as living beings. Although he said human beings. Um, but they, I I think it's a totally fair point. Like they already lived their lives. Like it's tragic, but they died. Like we, it's not our obligation to bring them back to life just because we can. It's such a, it doesn't make sense though. Character wise. It's such a callous thing. Like I, I, I would be totally fine if Picard was super curious about them and then sits down with them and is totally disappointed in them because here, like he's he's excited about the history of it, but realizes that oh, we were kind of a holes, 
back then, right? And he's disappointed in humans and he's disappointed in where he's come from and it kind of demoralizes him. And that would be more interesting than him just automatically being disinterested altogether. Right. No, absolutely. Well, and just saying that, like, it it definitely would have bumped up the, the cost of the episode, but to have somebody on who could genuinely go toe-to-toe with Patrick Stewart, kind of like David Warner in the Chain of Command episode. Maybe, maybe like, he has conversations with two of them and... And he, you know, and he he gets more disinterested and he kind of is now avoiding them. He doesn't want to talk to them, but he, he finally talks to the third one. And, you know, it's a different different character completely. You know, it's not the songwriter or it's not the, the housewife, but it's somebody else who who did like philanthropic work or who, you know, worked worked with like the development of things. Um, you know, and this person is is going around the ship and kind of seeing like uh, like he he was he or she was so happy to to be given this second chance at life to see that all of the work that they did, you know, like had, had this ultimate payoff. That would be interesting too. Yeah. Like somehow serendipitously, they come across somebody who invented some technological element that 300 years later, uh, makes the starship work right in some small way. This little thing, uh, is what enabled them to make a starship. That would have been interesting to say like, and he's just sort of this humble inventor guy. Right. Who who seems unassuming, uh, died unceremoniously, and he happened to be the inventor of X. And it was like this amazing thing. And it wasn't realized kind of like Bach, where they didn't realize what they had until after he was dead. It would have been cool to to kind of see what you were talking about. Picard's like fascination with history, getting disillusioned by the two people he talks to, not wanting to talk to the third. Or like one way it could happen is that he interviews the first two people who he's dramatically disappointed by. And so he has the three of them executed scenario <laughs> and doesn't realize what he had. And that's, you know, he has to come to terms with that. I think that's the Kirk way. <laughs> that's what makes Kirk such an interesting character from his, his regrets. It's what, it's what makes him who he is. Yes. <laughs> Damn it, Bones, you're a doctor. You know that pain and guilt can't be taken away with a wave of a magic wand. But the things we carry with us, the things that make us who we are. If we lose them, we lose ourselves. I don't want my pain taken away. I need my pain. Oh, man. All right. So, I mean, the yeah, the you could not do this episode without the sci-fi. No, it's a, it's a great sci-fi concept. Um, and I love the idea of the Romulans, sort of the, this, this whole idea that they're coming back, right? That this, this threat that I don't know if we've even heard of before this episode, but they did a great job in creating this threat. And... Not they, necess- they not that they necessarily delivered on it, but it it really comes to the forefront. It's like, oh, cool! There's this new villain. It's not the Klingons, right? It was a, f- a fun idea, not necessarily executed great, but still a proper Star Trek for me, nonetheless. Yeah, well, and I liked too the the kind of ethical position that Picard was put in, where he everyone around him, you know, was saying like the Romulans are evil, and you know, he's like, well, they. They, they've had the chance to destroy us on a couple occasions and they haven't yet. So I am not going to go in in a in a warrior position. You know, we are a diplomatic ship and we're going to treat it as such. Sort of a perfect episode on paper in that sense, in terms of being a proper Star Trek episode. Yeah, but just, just the just needed some fine tuning, which they couldn't get. It wasn't even that like the opportunity was there. They had the episode that they had to film and the episode just like they were they were working on it on Friday and then they weren't working it on Monday. <laughs> That's kind of how it went. Like there wasn't any like, you know, we we have a deadline to hit. So let's try and get through this before the writer strike happens. Like the writer strike just hit 
And so, you know, and I, it, it's so frustrating because it, it is a, an all or nothing thing. Um, and so even if the, the writers wanted to work, the fact that they're part of the writers guild, they weren't allowed to. So just a, a couple little notes. The, the guitar was actually supposed to be given to him by Wesley. Um, that's what the, the screenplay had. Um, but he, he didn't obviously it was taken out and he just said like, I had this replicated. <laughs> um, and then the last thing was, I don't know if you noticed or not, but the Romulan on the left, the one who actually gave his name, Tabek, I think it was, that was Goldacott. Oh, I, I was wondering about that. Yeah, he seemed familiar, but I, you know, everybody, they make every alien race look exactly the same. Right. <laughs> when they do these things. So uh, I thought maybe oh, he had a brother or something. Yeah. No, Goldacott had a, a Romulan brother. <laughs> Two very proud alien races. All right, so you're, we're we're in agreement, though. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's an episode worth watching. It's kind of a weaker one. Um, there, it, but it, it's a, yeah, it's it's proper Star Trek, and it's it's okay. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see what we're watching next. Okie dokie. Doctor's orders, episode sixteen of season three of Enterprise. While in command of the Enterprise, because the entire crew is in a coma, Dr. Phlox starts hearing some strange sounds. Oh, cool. So this could be very cool. I love episodes kind of like that one we've talked about on Next Gen where uh, it's sort of a a Beverly Crusher-centric episode where the crew just keeps disappearing and disappearing. And Mm -hmm. they kind of that kind of episode, that's what I hope it is. But I think this is going to be kind of like a horror-esque episode. Right, I think it's going to be, yeah, a horror-esque episode where it's all flocks monologuing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you must be so thrilled. Um, the, yeah, the other thing that it could be is flashback taking us to this point. Oh, God, I hope not. Please, we may have to edit this if it is a flashback and not watch it. 